Broadcasting from the Cradle of Liberty in Philadelphia. All the way to the rhythm and blues of Beale Street in Memphis. To high atop the Wasatch Mountains in Utah. This is where politically correct perception meets common sense. This is the Joe Carey Show. Welcome to the Joe Carey Show right here on K-Talk 1640 AM. Happy Monday. And I want to start, I'm not going to start with Trump's impeachment. I'm not going to talk about what's happening in the Middle East. I want to talk about what I think is the prime example of why government uh, absolutely should not have the primary seat when it comes to your health care. Now, you'll know that Brussels uh, serves as the intellectual, uh, political, um, and um, uh, EU headquarters for Europe, right? This is where EU's parliament is. This is where all the uh, the big wigs come to make their rules for the European Union. And look, bringing all those people to Brussels has caused major congestion problems. Now, the government thinks they have a solution. They think they have a solution to the congestion problem that's currently uh, plaguing Brussels. Listen to this article. I thought it was from the Babylon Bee at first, but apparently it's uh, true. Commuters in Brussels will be encouraged to hitchhike to work under a local government plan to reduce congestion on the city's roads. No, you didn't mishear me. The government's solution to congestion in Brussels is to encourage people to hitchhike into work. And the government is developing an app. I mean, what could go wrong? The government developing an app. The government uh, in Brussels is developing an act that will connect drivers who have spare seats to those without a ride so they can pick them up and take them into the office. That sounds like a taxi. It sounds like Uber. Am I, am I missing something? I mean, I think we already have this. Somebody, you know, the next time you bump into an EU bureaucrat, let them know about Uber. So this app will connect drivers with those who have spare seats so they can get a ride, you know, into town. Now, remember, we had the government design a website here in the United States. It was the Obamacare website, right? The Affordable Care Act. That was the true cost was over a billion dollars. And I know you're thinking, Joe, that's got that's fake news. You can't have a billion dollar website, a billion dollars to develop and implement the Obamacare website. And they couldn't even do it right. When the the deadline was coming, Obama brought in all the tech people from Silicon Valley to fix the site because even after a billion dollars, it wasn't working right. So this is what they're blaming the congestion on in Belgium. Belgians' propensity to commute into their main cities and the poor layout of roads around Brussels. So I did a little research. Well, who designed the roads around Brussels? Oh, the same government that's going to design the app to fix the problem. So government designs a poor layout of the city. It causes all this congestion. And their solution, let's hire other government bureaucrats to fix the problem. Well, Albert Einstein said it best. Albert Einstein said, famously said, those who create the problem will prove to be incapable of fixing it. I think there's a lot of truth to that. 
So you have this poor layout. You have all this congestion. And now they're saying, well, we're going to develop this app. Apparently, they don't know about Uber or Lyft. And the app's going to be free. But this is where the government gets it wrong. I mean, they get it wrong because they designed the city incorrectly. They got it wrong because they're developing an app. But what they're saying is this is going to be a free app. So unlike Uber, where you have to pay the driver to pick you up, get a load of this. This hitchhiking app, you're not allowed to charge. So I guess you wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, I have all these empty seats in my car. Let me head on over into the city. And, uh, oh, who can I pick up on the way over there? Now, we call that carpooling here, but the, 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 the Belgians are going out of their way to say, no, it's not even carpooling because in certain carpooling situations, you charge. Yeah, look, you get reimbursement, right? I mean, everybody has to take a turn bringing everybody in or you have to throw a little bit of money into the kitty, right, to cover the costs of gas and wear and tear on the car. But no, under this app, you absolutely can't charge. You just go and you pick people up. Why? Well, because it's the right thing to do. So uh, question to the audience, 801-331-8113, 801-331-8113. Is this something you would sign up for? Is this app something that you would either use to get a free ride or if you drive a car every day into work and you have an extra seat, would you be willing to say, you know what? Yeah, I'll leave 15 minutes early and I'll pick Bob or Sally up on the way to the office or on the way to their office. I don't know. Now, I do think that the Belgians are onto something because, look, they're doing this to solve the congestion problem. And I figure after about six months with all the people murdered from hitchhiking, you'll probably reduce the congestion a little bit. I mean, I, you don't see too many hitchhikers anymore. I mean, I don't see them anymore at all. But growing up, I used to see hitchhikers all the time. Like it, it wasn't an accepted form of transportation, but it was just more commonplace. You don't see that anymore. And I remember at the time it was always like, you know, mom and dad saying, don't hitchhike, don't hitchhike. You know, it's dangerous. It's not safe. And how many of those bad movies did they have in the late 70s about, you know, the couple, their car breaks down, they hitchhike and then, you know. All terror breaks loose on the roadway. But the Belgians are going to address this because this is what they say. Currently, hitchhiking has become obsolete. They are on top of their game. Currently, hitchhiking has become obsolete, and the logic of bringing a stranger into the vehicle is considered insecure. Okay, I so far so good. But via new technologies, this measure would help in the fight against the damage we are inflicting upon ourselves. And what he means is the, uh, the global warming, you know, because when you sit in your idling car, it affects the environment. But has anybody in Belgium thought, Belgium thought to ask themselves, why has hitchhiking become obsolete? Look, we agree it's obsolete. We agree that bringing a stranger into your car, probably not a good idea. I don't know. I think that's a tough sell. I think that's a real tough sell. Uh, but they are not going to be deterred. Uh, the Belgian capital's efforts to tackle congestion 
have been hindered, listen to this, have been hindered by its complicated structure of government. And I'm like, well, what's so complicated? I mean, well, by its complicated structure of government with the Brussels parliament needing to coordinate efforts with the federal, and I'm not making these words up now. These are legitimate words in this article. With the federal, the next one is Francophone Walloon and Flemish authorities. Now, Brian, you're a pretty learned person. Have you ever heard of Frank, Francophone Walloon as a, as a location or people? Brian's saying no. I didn't either. So because I love this audience, I took the time to research because I said, okay, this, this has to be like a misspelling or this doesn't make any sense. What's a Francophone Walloon? So I Googled it and it says right here, Walloon are a Romance ethnic group native to Belgium, principally in its southern region of Wallonia. And I just thought, come on, Wallonia. That's out of Groucho Marx. There's no Wallonia. And I said, either Groucho Marx or Mel Brooks, right? Honey, I'm going to Wallonia. I'll be right back. As soon as I get the balloons and the clowns. Wallonia. <laughs> So they can't even develop an app. This is government out of control without the permission of the, the federal authorities, which means the locals, right? Then they've got to consult with the Brussels parliament, which means the EU. But he says, we have to look for what we have in common and find solutions together. Maybe it will not be easy, but we will talk. I am optimistic. Their solution to climate change, their solution to congestion, is hitchhiking. We do not want this group of people in charge of health care. We do not want this group of people in charge of public education. This isn't satire. Maybe the Wallonia part is, but this isn't satire. This is their real solution to real problems. When we come back, we'll talk impeachment. What everyone in the media is missing, we'll bring that next right here on the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to the Joe Carey Show right here on K-Talk 1640 AM, KYAH and the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Uh, also, we are proud to announce that we have a radio station in Wallonia. Um, we just got that yesterday. Uh, not the Franco part, but just the Wallonia part. So it, to all of you in Wallonia, thank you for tuning in. Um, great to have you on board and uh, glad to have you listening. I want to talk about the uh, impeachment proceedings, which seems like they're coming straight out of Wallonia. 
Remember when this first broke, the big news was there was somebody in the room and they heard Donald Trump tell the president of Ukraine, if you go after Biden, we're going to give you the codes to the missiles. Right. It was all firsthand knowledge. It was a solid. You do this. I'll give you that. And I think you can make the argument that even if Trump promised a quid pro quo, it's not against the law. You don't think politicians do that every day? Yeah, it's horse trading. Now, it depends on what you're promising and what you're giving up. But this notion that, oh, oh my goodness, we would never do that. That's nuts. But then, you know, within 48 hours, the real facts start to come out. And the real facts were, well, wait a second. This is all hearsay. You know, the person who filed this whistleblower complaint doesn't have any firsthand knowledge that we're aware of. That they were told by somebody allegedly who was, you know, present that this happened. And then when the transcripts were released, it clearly shows there was no quid pro quo, that the president never told the Ukrainian president, if you do this, I will give you that. There's no indication of that in the transcript, none. So then the Democrats simply pivot, right? It's like whack-a-mole. They come out with their strongest, most outrageous accusation. There's nothing there. There's no truth to it. So the Democrats simply say, well, that doesn't matter because, uh, you know, he talked about Biden. He wanted dirt on Biden. He didn't want dirt. He wanted evidence of a crime. He said, look, if a crime was committed, we've got to, we've got to go after these people. Yeah, I get it. It's uncomfortable that politicians typically consider themselves above the law. Joe Biden considers himself above the law. He's not. No one is, including Hunter Biden, including Hillary Clinton. But now what the standard the Democrats want, well, you know, if, if they're an opponent with you in a political race, you can't ask for this information. Why? Why can't you ask for it? So then the Democrats, they pivot again, right? Because they're always reading the polls and they're like, oh, you know, not enough people are supporting impeachment. This isn't gaining traction. What do we do? Oh, well, then they find out that these transcripts, right? Because every time a president has a conversation, they type it up. They find out that some of these transcripts are put on a super secret server, And there's only a handful of people that have access to these transcripts. And then the media went into a frenzy, right? They start to, to foam at the mouth. Their eyes turn red and they're like, look, now we've got him. He's obstructing. He's hiding it. No, the existence of the super secret server is known. And then Susan Rice, who was the national security person under Obama, she was asked. Well, did Obama ever put his transcripts in a super secret server? And all the Democrats were expecting the answer to be no, of course not. Do you know what she said? Yeah, he did. When it was necessary, right? So she's trying to say, well, Trump's wasn't that. Well, that, let the president decide if it's necessary. Where was the outrage when Hillary Clinton was keeping super secret classified information on a server in her bathroom?
or when her aide, Huma Abedin, had classified information on her non-protected laptop. There was no outrage. They could care less. So then the Democrats had to back away from that accusation, right? Because, wait a second, Trump keeps it on a super secret server, but so did Obama. Well, geez, what do we do? And all they're doing is yelling impeachment. But where's the impeachable offense? What did he do? Well, he talked to the Ukrainian president. Okay. What did he ask of the Ukrainian president? Well, if there was wrongdoing, you know, get to the bottom of it. He didn't say manufacture evidence. He didn't say, you know, lie about it. He said, look, if you have information about the company, you know, um, the one that had, was it CrowdStrike? You know, the CrowdStrike server after the DNC was hacked, the, the DNC wouldn't let the FBI look at the server. They called this company CrowdStrike in. Now, you explain to me how a server with the DNC that was hacked, right, was the subject of a criminal uh, uh, probe, ends up in the Ukraine. Why wasn't the FBI called in? You have emails and correspondence from candidates running for the president of the United States. You don't think that's a national security issue? Who hacked it? Why did they hack it? What did they get? Do they have any incriminating information? Apparently they didn't, but they did have a, um, a lot of inappropriate pictures from Anthony Weiner on it. But that, anyway, beside the point. So, like, but maybe that's why they didn't want to give it over, right? Because it's embarrassing stuff. You get embarrassing stuff. But wow, the DNC gets hacked and they call CrowdStrike over the FBI. That should tell you everything you need to know about the minds, hearts, and intentions of the DNC. Where'd that server go? Well, apparently it's, it's somewhere in the Ukraine. And that's how it's, if you read the transcript, the majority of it is on that server. It's not Joe Biden. It's not Hunter Biden. That's almost like an afterthought that comes at the end. This is not about Donald Trump. This is about distraction, right? The Dems went all in on Mueller. And there's a saying, if you're gonna, if you're gonna go after the king, you better get him, right? If you're gonna take a shot at the king, don't miss. And they did, right? The media shot and they missed. The Dems shot and they missed. And they know payback is coming. They know that the inspector general reports are going to come out and the special investigation reports are going to come out and they are going to obliterate the narrative that the Democrats have been pushing. So what you need to do is you need to have a bigger story, right? How do you take those stories off the front page? How do you take Jeffrey Epstein off the front page, right? That big time donor to the Dems. How do you get all these things off the front page? You need a big story. And in Washington, D.C., nothing is bigger than impeachment. Unless it involves sex.
And that's why, you know, the Clinton thing got so much traction. It wasn't the impeachment. It was that whole narrative of, you know, interns, blue dresses, Oval Office, cigars. You can tell the Democrats are scared when we come back. Three examples that show the Democrats are petrified of the truth coming out. We'll have those right after this break on K-Talk, 1640 AM. Thoughtful discussion. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. You know, the Democrats, uh, welcome back to the Joe Carey Show. I, I just want to say the Democrats want to pretend that, you know, the fire is on, the heat is on, and, and we're going to, you know, this is Donald Trump's swan song. It's not. It is not. And they are looking for any reason to keep, look, Donald Trump has been effective. You know, and I don't agree with everything this president has done. And, and I think, you know, most people would say that about any, any president they vote for, right? I mean... It's a big job. They have to make a lot of decisions. And I don't like the way he's carried himself, but wow, has he been effective. When Paul Ryan, I think, misled Donald Trump for the first two years. I really did. Remember, Donald Trump is not a political creature. He wasn't born in the swamp. He hasn't lived in the swamp. He's played on the fringes, right? And he's played with the characters in the swamp as a business person. But I think he arrived in Washington, D.C., and he was relying upon his advisors. He's relying on Paul Ryan, who's running the, uh, the House. And I think he got some bad advice for the first couple years. But, I mean, look, not only has he appointed 150 judges, but they're conservative. They're constitutional judges. And when a lot of people were telling him, you know, Mr. President, walk away from the wall. Walk away. It's not worth it. You can make peace with the Democrats. He knew that was a lie. Right? Because if they get you to back down from the wall, they know you won't stand for anything. And Trump, I think, has fought hard and he's tried to work around the system to get things done. I mean, the Obama presidency, there is no legacy. You think about it, that there is no legacy to that presidency. It ended when he walked out those doors. Even Obamacare, his signature agreement, that's done. All the states want out or they want more federal money. They're not getting new blood signing up. And it looks like the courts are going to deal it a, a, a legal death blow. So where does that leave us? Democrats can't run on the economy because the economy's doing well. They can't attack Trump because Trump won't put up with it. He'll just smack them back. So they go the legal route, right? Well, we can do this legally. What we can't do politically, let's do it, 
you know, political slash legal. And remember, the standard for impeachment is high crimes and misdemeanors, which means basically whatever the House wants to say, they can say. Whatever they want to impeach on, they have the power to impeach on. And if anybody tells you different, they are wrong. And the founding fathers wanted it that way. They wanted the standard to be political, not legal. They wanted it to be a political standard because the thinking was, you know what? Let's not embroil the country in a legal back and forth. If the president is out of line, let the House and the Senate bring them back into line. And they knew the House would be reactive. They knew the House would be mob mentality. And wow, were those founding fathers smart. Because look at Nancy Pelosi and the dogs that, you know, she's letting run loose in the House today, these pit bulls. I'm not convinced they would win an impeachment vote in the House. I'm not convinced they would win that vote. And it looks like, remember how they passed Obamacare? Do you remember what time of year it was? It's Christmas time. And they jammed it through, literally at midnight. And if you listened hard enough, you could actually hear the 30 pieces of silver hit the ground. No, uh, wrong story. But what we do know is that they're lining up the impeachment vote to take place at the same time. Right around Christmas time. It's all by design. But don't be fooled. The Democrats aren't going to win this narrative. And the media is going to spend billions of dollars pushing it, you know, furthering that agenda. But listen to this. Joe Biden's presidential campaign made an extraordinary request to the top news channels asking them to no longer book Donald Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, on their programs. Let me see now. Did I read that on CNN? Did I see that on MSNBC? Hmm, no. In a letter addressed to the heads of the major news and cable networks, Biden's campaign advisors make the case that they should not have Rudy Giuliani on their networks. We are writing today with grave concern that you continue to book Rudy Giuliani on your air to spread false, debunked conspiracy theories on behalf of Donald Trump. While you often fact-check his statements in real time during your discussions, that is no longer enough. By giving him your airtime, you are allowing him to introduce increasingly unhinged, unfounded, and desperate lies into the national conversation. Doesn't sound like people who are winning to me. They close their letter, we write to demand that in service to the facts, you no longer book Rudy Giuliani. absolutely amazing. Now, when Donald Trump stood before the United Nations, he said something that I thought was probably the most important line out of everything he said. He said something about it. Be very careful of anyone who would limit your free speech because that truly is the foundation that all of our freedoms are based on. If people can Limit your speech, either by rules or by making you afraid to speak, right? And if, if you listen to the Brian Hyde show this morning at, uh, on this network, you heard Brian talking about 
you know, the reason that they go back in this cancel culture and the reason that, you know, they went after, who was the guy that was trying to raise the beer money, Brian? Carson King. And here's a guy who's just out there, try to get some beer money, puts up a sign and hundreds of thousands of dollars start flowing in him, right? It went viral. Now this, he could have spent this money any way he wanted to. Right? They're sending it in for beer money. He could have bought a lot of beer. But he didn't. He says, you know what? I'm going to donate it to the local children's hospital, I think, in Iowa. And then is it Anheuser-Busch? They get on board. They're like, you know what? We're going to donate. We're going to make this. We're going to match. Whatever you raise, we're going to match. And so far, it's like $2 million. Right, Brian? Two million dollars. Who could have kept all that money? At least the money originally sent to him. He's doing something great, right? And you look at that story and you're like, oh my gosh. What a good person. Somebody on the Des Moines Register, the newspaper, they do an article. And in the article, they're like, uh, they're doing some research and they find out that uh, this young guy trying to raise beer money put out some tweets earlier on that he shouldn't have said when he was younger. And then, you know, the cancel culture jumps in. Anheuser-Busch, you know, they're out. Venmo, they're out. And Brian made the point that, look, you know, part of this is to limit speech, but to make you afraid, right? Because they want, if you're afraid of speaking out because, oh my gosh, you know, in five years, what's going to happen if someone goes through my Twitter and digs this up and, you know, finds out that I said that? So they don't need laws to prevent you from speaking. You begin to regulate what you say yourself because you begin to realize it's not worth the blowback, potentially. It's not worth what's going to come my way if I say the things that I believe. And that's what all this is against Kavanaugh. That's what this is about against Trump. It's why they put all the Trump appointees through the ringer because they want anyone who was asked to serve by this administration to think it's not worth it. Usually it's an honor. It's a privilege and people can serve and they say, you know what? Even if I disagree, I'm going to serve because it's my country I'm serving. You're asked by the president, but you're really serving the country. That's not enough anymore. Now you have to be identified, vilified, and destroyed. Well, the destruction part only comes in if you're not willing to retreat. You know, those who retreat are given a buy. You have to live, you know, by yourself, keep quiet, but they'll let you live. Everybody else is just going to destroy you. Those are the things that are taking place. It's not about impeachment. It's about taking a president and saying, guys, if this guy could focus all his attention on his agenda, we would begin to see some tremendous change taking place. So they keep him fighting in the fields and they just keep erecting windmill after windmill that he has to address. When we come back, we have a great story out of Los Angeles, California. We'll have that and more right after this break.
Welcome back to the Joe Carey Show right here on K Talk sixteen forty AM. Thank you for tuning in. Visit LovingLiberty.net. Uh, all the hosts uh, are there. You can find out uh, when they're on, what time they're on. Um, also, uh, you can download the app, the Loving Liberty Radio app, and listen to the show anytime from anywhere. Uh, like I said, it's, it's really fantastic. I had to go on a, uh, road trip this weekend, had the app, could listen to shows this morning at the gym, uh, tuning in, listening to Brian Hyde show. It's a fantastic way to get the show. And then you can listen anytime, anywhere. So visit lovingliberty.net, download the app and, uh, listen, uh, to the, to the programming. I want to talk about uh, this story because it just amazes me. It's almost as crazy as the story we um, started with. You know, and we talk about hypocrisy of the elites. And when I say the elites, I'm not talking Democrats or Republicans. I'm talking about both of them. I'm talking about, you know, the celebrities and these individuals who feel like they have the right to dictate how we should live. When they don't want to be held to any standard, Elizabeth Warren was campaigning this weekend and she came out and she said, you know, if I'm elected president, we're going to ban um, these private immigration centers. We're going to ban these private prisons and private prisons are just those prisons that instead of having government employees, you're just allowing the private sector to go in and police and monitor these prisons. And she goes on about how bad these private prisons are and how they're not good for the country. Well, then somebody started doing their research. Guess who owns stock in private prison companies? Elizabeth Warren. So Elizabeth Warren is telling you these are bad. They're so bad that if she's elected, she's going to shut them down. But what she left out was that she had invested tens of thousands of dollars, 50000 in a Vanguard group which owned hundreds of millions of dollars worth of shares in leading private prison companies. Can you believe that? Now, she's going to twist and turn. She's going to make up a song and a dance, and she's going to tell you, well, it's different. Just like when Prince Harry zips off to, you know, the favorite country of his choice or his wife wants to go watch her best friend play tennis, they have zero reservation about boarding a private jet or a commercial jet. And what they say is it's okay because even though we're taking this jet, we're paying and we're buying carbon credits. And what that means is that, yes, you can use as much carbon as you want because you know, what you're taking with the left hand, you're paying out with the right hand. You're planting trees. You're helping a company become more carbon neutral. Allegedly. Allegedly, that's what these credits are used for. I always wonder, well, wait a second. Who's paying all the bureaucrats to administer the program? Are they taking the carbon credits? Because if they are, they're the ones killing the environment. They shouldn't take a salary. The whole thing should go to making the earth carbon neutral. But we don't live in a fantasy world, right? We live where, you know, you need the income. You need to be able to provide. And I tell you that carbon credits are the modern day indulgence, right? Indulgences were this, uh, this practice where, hey, you could live whatever life you wanted to live. But at the end of the day, you can buy forgiveness for your sins. 
How is that any different than a social justice carbon credit? Live the lifestyle you want. Burn as much carbon as you want. As long as you buy forgiveness for your carbon emitting sins. It's the same notion. And it doesn't work. Because it has to begin with changing your behavior, right? You're supposed to inspire other people through your behavior. So they tell you to cut back on meat, right? Mayor de Blasio actually, you know, forbids meat on Monday in the public schools. Meanwhile, you know, the Democrats are attending a a steak dinner in Iowa, that festival where they order 10,000 steaks. So wait a second, the kids get deprived, but the politicians get to eat the steak? That's why nobody believes impeachment. Like before with Richard Nixon, you yelled impeachment, and wow, the country sat up and we took notes and we paid attention. It was a grave moment in our constitutional republic. Today, they're screaming impeachment at each other, and no one cares. There's an echo chamber in D.C., and they they think it's important, but the rest of the country, they move on. Because they've been lied to so many times, they don't know who to believe. Or they don't believe anybody. So we talked about Wallonia in the first segment. I want to end with uh, California. Listen to this story. We started the program with, you know, this is why we shouldn't put the politicians in charge of important things. We're going to end it on a very similar note. A few years ago, California passed one of a series of bills aimed at emptying jails and prisons. The disingenuous name was the Safe Neighborhoods and Schools Act, and its stated purpose was to keep nonviolent offenders out of jail. To achieve this goal, the state decriminalized a number of lesser offenses, including retail theft. What that means is before, if you stole stuff from a store, you were put into prison. Under the Safe Neighborhoods and Schools Act, if you steal stuff from a store, you're given a slap on the wrist. Now, what do you think would happen? The law raised the value of the amount of merchandise someone could steal while only being charged with a misdemeanor. So if you steal basically just under $1,000 worth of stuff, you get a slap on the wrist. To the great surprise of the government... People noticed this change, and they began taking advantage of it. The records now show a steady increase in organized robbery. These robbers are known as mass grab-and-dash thefts, and they generally involve large numbers of young people all entering a store at the same time, grabbing armfuls of merchandise, and dashing back out to their vehicles and hitting the highway. Not only are these robberies on the rise, but arrests and prosecutions are down. Who could possibly have predicted this? So you decriminalize it. You say, yeah, you can steal up to $1,000 worth of stuff. No one's going to pay any attention. Well, the criminals pay attention. So now, instead of stealing an apple, they're going in and they're breaking into jewelry stores. They're taking all this stuff because they know the punishment won't be there. This is a trend that's been building in a number of blue states, and now it seems that the petty crime chickens are coming home to roost. The fact is that there are always going to be a certain number of people who will be willing to break the law 
if they don't feel the risk of significant punishment is too high. Sadly, liberal elected officials paint a picture of racism and inequity behind effective law enforcement initiatives. The people committing these thefts frequently end up being young black and Hispanic robbers because they are more likely to come from economically disadvantaged backgrounds. This leads to laws like Prop 47, hoping to keep more of them out of the school-to-prison pipeline. But when you make it easier and less risky to steal larger amounts of goods, people will steal more merchandise. California basically incentivized crime and potential criminals answered the call. And since many of them were only getting the equivalent of a parking ticket for stealing $900 worth of goods, police frequently didn't expend much energy trying to catch them. These are the people who want to run your health care. These are the people who are running your kids' high schools, elementary schools, and colleges. These are the people who design a traffic system that leads and causes congestion, and then they turn around and they blame you. And like a snake oil salesman, they show up offering a solution. Their solution? Hitchhike. We said it before, we'll say it again. Albert Einstein said it right. The people who create the problem cannot be empowered or trusted to fix it because they are not capable of doing so. Stay tuned. Eric Mutsos up next right here on the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Remember two things. One, take the time to get right with God. Be kind. We'll be back tomorrow right here on K-Talk, 1640 AM. Thoughtful discussion. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network.